Welcome to Kingdom Family Talks with Leif Hetland. We invite you into the conversation and celebration of what God is doing around the world through his sons and daughters. Leif shares insights into what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Well, hello, hello, everyone. I am Leif Hetland, and welcome to Kingdom Family Talk. And I am so excited to have Leanne Goff. Uh, and there's so many different things I could describe uh, for many of the people that don't know her. I mean, for it was about seven years, I think, that she was actually the executive director. And she came in and served me and my wife and Global Mission Awareness and, uh, and both run the, the life and the ministry there traveled with me all over the world. She had a big experience herself before. And then eventually uh, we kind of uh, launched her after she was finished that season with me, not in regard to just working for GMA and launched out herself first as a church planter. Then she pastors a great church. And then she actually made a very interesting transition into the marketplace. I have the honor of calling her a spiritual daughter. And even if uh, I know she looks much younger than me, but she's actually a couple of years older than me. And uh, she's still looking very, very young. And uh, God has actually done a miracle in the last four years in regard to taking her from the priestly realm into the kingly realm. And she is now a, a modern apostle of the marketplace. But she, she's using that in such a way to be able to bring glory to Jesus and also raising up literally thousands of other people. So I, I wanted people to connect with her and many of the entrepreneurs also that is out there, I think it's going to give you a lot of hope, but also for other people that are struggling because I know so many people in ministry are struggling with their health, with their wealth, and are not able to do their dreams because of some of the limitation. And I feel that that's what Leanne, she's a lid lifter that is going to lift the lid off your life today and help you to soar. So welcome, Leanne. I am excited that you're part of this Kingdom Family Talk. Well, thank you, Leif. I appreciate it. And guys, I may slip in calling Daddy Leif. That's who he is to me after almost 16 years now. And so, but it's an honor to be here with you. I've been looking forward to this podcast. And uh, yeah, I think we're going to shift some mindsets and uh, set some people free here today. Yeah, no, it, it is so beautiful. Just share a little bit about the story and even how we connected and perhaps even some of the influence that, that I've had in your life, because you've been on a journey, including, I still remember, our Pakistan journey. So just share a little bit of our journey together so that people can get to know that. Well, you know, it's interesting because I was thinking about a couple of days ago preparing for this podcast, and it was, you had your baptism of love in 2000, and then I had a baptism of love in October 2003, but I didn't have the language for it. I just knew that God up in Toronto threw me on the floor for about two and a half, three hours, and his love came in and just wrecked me. Like I knew I was going to heaven before then, but it's like heaven came to me on that floor in Toronto. And so when I got up off of that floor, you know, I was like, God, what was that about? And he's like, well, Ian, you know, you've been this, you know, a woman of virtue, a woman with a heart after me, a half a heart after the nations. Uh, you've been a woman of integrity. Uh, you've been a woman of God, but I don't want a woman of God anymore. And I want, I want a little girl to know she has a big dad. And that just blew me away. The experience on the floor was amazing, but it's what he spoke to me that really transformed my life. And so I go, you know, I don't know what that point is, how to be a little girl with a big dad. I don't know how to be a daughter. I know how to be an evangelist and missionary woman of God and all this other stuff. 
but not a little girl with a big dad. And then fast forward three years exactly. That was October, 2003, October, 2006. You and I are at a Voice of the Apostles conference in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And because of our heart and our love for the nations, but specifically Cuba, we connected. And uh, you actually put language to that experience I had three years before. Mm-hmm. Um, you put the language of like you experience a baptism of love. And, um, and it just totally wrecked my life. And little did I know that, uh, you know, I guess it was um, like 15 months later that Ray and I would leave Iowa, uh, a thriving church up there, thriving ministry, and then move down to Alabama and work with you and Mama Jen for those next few years. And I call it my training for reigning with you. <laughs> People ask me, did you go to Bi- what Bible school did you go to? What seminary did you go to? I'm like, uh, I went through training for lane, uh, training for reigning with a man named Leigh Petlin. And so that was really how our journey started. And it's been an exciting one ever since. Yeah, it has been. And it's a, and the fun part of that whole journey, it's a, because, I mean, we've had tense moments. We've been through uh, breakdowns. We've been breakthroughs. We've had winter seasons. We've had harvest seasons. I mean, that's the beautiful part of the, the, the lives and the relationships. And to be able to now being after all these years, because there's a lot of people are giving up as soon as winter season comes. And it seems like everything is dying. And there was times when I had health issues. And it seems like I was dying. There was times when you were having breakdowns and health issues. And I still remember that. And, and even you your husband Ray and my wife and everybody else in our family has been affected. So many times uh, it's interesting, the muscles that's been built when we've also had resistance and some of the things we have overcome, how relationship becomes stronger uh, because and as a result of journeys that we have gone through, uh, that we faced things together. So uh, what would you have to say about that? Because I know that you have built a lot of muscles that you're using today to, to carry strong things, but that's not because life was always easy for you. No, it wasn't. And, you know, Ray and I, we raised our kids on the mission field since 84 with Youth with a Mission. And God did a lot of work because I was fatherless. You know, my I never had a relationship with my, my biological father. And so um, God had to reintroduce himself to me on that floor in Toronto in 2003 as my dad, you know, as my heavenly father. And I was his little girl. And that really shifted for me because I knew myself as a woman of God and that's how I did everything. That was my title, a woman of God and some other titles. But then it was like, no, you're just gonna be my little girl. And um, so I had to, I really, I didn't know anybody late that was doing sonship or daughtership. I had no idea. Oh, they knew how to be worship leaders and pastors and evangelists and prophets. But I didn't know anybody that knew how to walk as a son or daughter of God. So I went to Jesus and I said, you have to teach me how to do this because I don't know how to do this. I don't know anybody that knows how. So Jesus took me on those three years till I met you and walked me through as God's little girl. And then I met you and then God took it to a whole new level. (laughs) You know the story, we were coming back from Pakistan in September, 2008. You're like, I want to father you. And I'm like, but tell me a little bit about because I, I I just sat with David Cho, who's my executive director, and he came. I sent him out in 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 the darkest and the worst. Came back and he was weeping and weeping, and that's not him. He's a Korean without emotion. But I mean, he came back totally right. And I said, this reminds me about somebody else that I saw. But explain the first trip to Pakistan and the experience that you had in the room with all these imams radical imams and everything else and actually they're still asking about you they know your name and that's strange for muslim imam to still say hey where's my sister leanne they say <laughs> yeah so you know i have been late to i don't know 20 
26, 27 nations before Pakistan. So I still remember sitting, preparing for Pakistan up in Iowa, and we had a small team going. And, you know, we, I'm sitting there with my laptop, and you're with the little group. We're preparing to go to Pakistan in a couple of weeks. And uh, you said, Hey, Leanne, do you think you're ready for Pakistan? I said, Oh, yeah, I think so. He said, You said, shut your laptop. And I'm like, Okay. And I shut it down. Little, you knew, even after my experience of raising my kids in the war zones of Central America, Honduras, and El Salvador, and other nations, you knew I was not prepared for what I would experience um, in Pakistan. So, you know, we went, it was um, September 2008, and I definitely was not prepared. It, to me, is like going to another planet. Um, but I watched as we went in, and you use the illustration all the time that a rubber band is created to be stretched. If you don't stretch it, then it's not of any use, but you have to know how far you stretch that rubber band or it's gonna pop and then it's not of any use anymore. So I remember, remember the first few days of that trip, my rubber band was really being stretched, like going into the uh, school for Sharia law and being in there and then going into these, you know, into the imam's homes and, and you know, our particular one, you know, that we went in. And I remember going to his house that night about 10, 30, 11 at night to meet his wife. And you go into another area and I'm walking in and I, I realize you can't go because she doesn't have a burger on. And we sit there for about an hour and a half. It's midnight. And then we leave there and we're going back to the hotel. And by the next day to go to another event, I knew my rubber band was about stretched out. And I remember saying, can I stay back to the hotel and not go to this event? And this is like five or six days into the trip. And you said, absolutely. And I remember laying in my bed up in my room and like in a fetal position for like four hours and just crying and crying and crying. And one of the really top points is being in the, um, the peace conference and watching all these different representatives, you know, from, you know, Asia, the Pope's top three representatives are the top representative from Asia with the Pope. And then watching, you know, uh, the different representatives of all of Pakistan and all these different nations in these different sects. And they get up there for like an hour and a half and they're speaking and doing all their own, all this stuff. And then you get up there and this room is dark. And I don't mean light wise, like naturally, I'm talking about the spirit. And I'm thinking there's some guys up on that platform just soon shoot me or cut my head off, you know, and, um, but you get up and you, I'll never, ever, ever forget it. This is what wrecked me more than anything. And um, you said there, there's, um, there's different languages in this room. There's the Norwegian language, the English language. There is the uh, Urdu language, you know, there's all these different languages, but there's one language that supersedes all the other languages, and it's the language of love. And you shifted the atmosphere right then, and I'm sitting there going, what, who is this guy talking about you? What, what just happened? And I think that was the tipping point for me when, and then the next night going to this imam's home, I had, had I, I couldn't, I couldn't take any more. I had to process. So I laid in that bed for four hours and cried. And then we came home Well, we went to Dubai and you're like, I want to father you. And I'm like, I mean, uh, yeah. And I'm like, well, that's a whole nother story there. But I came home and literally for two weeks, I couldn't function. I couldn't put on makeup. I'd come to the office crying. I'd leave the office crying. And, but God stole my heart for Pakistan. And I, I love the nations. One of my top nations in yours too is Cuba, but Pakistan holds a special place in my heart. 
And I say all the time, you don't know Leif Hetland until you go to Pakistan with him. And what, what I mean by that, what truly your assignment is to go into the darkest um, places on the planet. And the reason you shift the cultures is because of this book right here, The Love Awakening, because you truly are ambassador of love and you awaken, you awaken love in some of the most darkest places and the darkest hearts on the planet. And that's a, that's amazing. And it was, I mean, we just came from there about a week ago. So it's very, very fresh. And I wish sometimes, uh, several times I thought about you that uh, I wish Leanne was here and to be able to watch this right now. Even there, some of the things like the place where you went back to meet with a wife in that room. Uh, this time I am back in the room with all the wives. Something that was totally unheard of when you were there. Because the only way that can happen is through covenant relationship. So all the team was in having dinner. I'm sitting there with all the wives of all the husband and all the wives are sitting around. And I'm sharing and I'm praying for them. Uh, in the same as at the Shia Muslim headquarters, I was there with the wives behind the rooms. When we went to the Alamah Shafa, same thing there. Now I'm brought in there. The only way that can happen is covenant. It is bloodline to be family member to sitting there and then to watch the presence. One of them, as an example, has bipolar disease and had it for eight years. I said, what well, is okay? And she opened up the burqa. She opened up the burqa. I looked her into the eyes. The presence hit her and she started to get joy and she was healed from bipolar disease. I mean, to see these things taking place, it's, uh, yeah, it's, I can't even, but they're so fresh for me. But things that at that time period, it was an impossibility. I'm a male. I'm an infidel. And that's just since since you were there to see what God has done. Uh, we have an all-girls school, and we cut the ribbon now. And do these powerful women, Muslim women, where women were not allowed to have education six years ago. And I can't wait for you to go there. And you can see there now. They're so powerful. And it's just the atmosphere is changing, which has set me hope for the 20 million women and girls in Afghanistan that is totally under oppression right now that God wants to open up their veil. So I'm just saying that in a regard to, I know you have been part of being the forerunner there and that you brought even it was first time it happened in the history we brought the Christian and the Muslim women together and you did that and did this banquet for them that was so significant. I wanted to talk a little bit about because the transition that you've been in because here you I mean you've had so many different roles you are a daughter you're a mother you are a wife you are a grandma you are I mean you, you have many many different hats and roles and then you planted a church, you pastored a church, you brought great leadership in place there. So I know the capacity. And then suddenly you started to moving in towards what, taking care of yourself health-wise and then becoming and starting to moving into business. Uh, I had helped you some in regard to uh, in the earlier stages. I know it's been part of your process here now, but here you are and, and writing a book that uh, I'm just saying that before even the book is written yet now, but how to go from being a missionary to be a millionaire. I wouldn't even wanted to say that out loud, but it is a reality. It is happening and it is coming out. Can you just share a little bit about that journey and the transition? Because I, I think for so many, many people out there, that's another miracle in itself. And I've had the honor of walking with you in that journey and watching to see what God is doing there and also using you there as a forerunner for thousands of other people. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier about the priestly kingly anointing, and that's something that I've been studying, it's been studying me for the last couple of years, as I've stepped into this role as actually an apostle in the marketplace, not as a title, but as a function, and I never understood that, and, and I've had to work through that, you've helped me do that a lot. 
but it was actually five years ago last month when you went just to, to Pakistan. I was with you on that trip. So when I did that um, banquet for those women and I, we were in Dubai and I had had um, an adrenal crash in 2010 when working for you and Mama Jen. And um, I almost died. I was very, very sick. And what happened and when your adrenals, your adrenal glands produce your cortisol and your hormones. So when I had that crash, my hormones got all jacked up. And then I started putting on weight I never had before. I never had an issue with weight, even after two children. But I started putting on more and more and more weight. And I found myself five years ago on our way to Pakistan, um, pushing a size 14. I was used to a size eight. I was popping Tums every night before bed. I, I knew my identity as a beloved daughter here on the inside, but I didn't like the way I looked in the mirror, the way my clothes fit, or the way I felt. And so in Dubai, God spoke to me on our way to Pakistan and said, you need to get a hold of your health or you will not finish well. And I said, but Father, I won't diet. I've never known a diet that's worked for anybody that I know. And I make it emotional because this is so tender to my heart. And I said, so I don't know what to do. And then we came home from Pakistan and I started seeing some other people melt away on Facebook. And I actually was like, what are they doing? They, and I knew these people for years. And so I was pastoring in Ohio at the time. I flew from Ohio to Iowa and sat in a coffee shop with some of these people in July, 2017, looked across the table and said, I don't, I, I don't know what you've done to look the way you look, but I want to look like you. They told me about this health program. And at the same setting, I said, and I don't know what it is to coach with you if you make $50 a month, but everybody I know needs to look like you. So I actually became a client and the coach at the same time. Never dreamt that I didn't know what the program or the business would do for us. I just was like, I, I look back now and literally God, it's like Jacob, you know, wrestle with God and God pinned him down and Jacob came up and transformed. Well, that's what happened to me. He pinned me down with the program and with the business. And so bottom line, I lost 35 pounds in three and a half months, reset my metabolism. I'm back to a size eight. I haven't taken any Tums. It'll be five years next month, no joint pain medication. And um, it has been, and I've, I've learned how because of our program. And look, your husband, I mean, Ray, how old is Ray now? Is he, Ray's 71. Uh, he, he lost. The way he, he looks and amazing. Uh, that is also blowing me away. Yeah. yeah. I'm 66 years young. I feel 46, you know. Um, <laughs> and so then, um, you know, pastoring the church and other dynamics, people started seeing me transform right before their eyes. And they're like, what are you doing? And and so the business just started organically growing. And I can't remember sitting um, with you in November 2017 when you were ministering up in Ohio and telling you, um, hey, I've got this, you know, I got this little thing going on the side here, this, this coaching, health coaching thing. And it was just starting. I had a few clients and I don't know how to, what to do with it. And, and you're like, you need to clear off your table and begin to prioritize what you're doing. And so I did that every month. You know, of course, God was first, my husband, my family, my grandkids. I had the church then. I was a law enforcement chaplain. I, my own ministry, I'm writing books on all this stuff. But there were things that I shelled for a season to allow for this business, which was one of the wisest things that I could have taken in from you to know what I should be saying yes to in this season and what do I need to say no to. And that really made room for this little serving teacup saucer um, on the corner of my table to today having a serving pl serving platter on my table that is now served in almost five years 40,000 people with 2,000 coaches in our organization and it has really supernaturally grown but like this is one of the things I want to say God spoke to me about four years ago after I was coaching and he said Leanne I gave you the program for your health but I gave you the business for your finances 
that you can go where you want to go, do what you want to do and give to who you want to give to. And money will never be a question. Don't ask me for it again. And we haven't had to. We can fund our own assignments. I mean, you know where we were and where we're at today. It's it's crazy. It's it's. I absolutely- still remember when I was just saying in the earlier day, this is before even you had started, I'd say, it's time for you maybe to get rid of that minivan that kind of like you know, and then get you, and then you got an Audi. Anyway, it was it's just kind of a fun because cars is one of my love languages. That was that was just the first upgrade. I'm not going to talk about what you're driving today. Maybe maybe my importation was too high, but anyway, I still remember that was a that was kind of a fun moment of I still remember the old minivan and then up to the Audi and then been watching the process. But I think what we saw in the natural is also what we have seen in every area of life, how things is taking place. And But the thing that I love and honor very much about you and in many, many different ways is it has never changed your heart. It's never changed your heart. You were just in Cuba. It's never changed your heart for the nations. Quite the contrary, you have a greater impact today than you've ever had before. And it's just beautiful to be, and it's not just that you're also helping other people. And I know so many, you're helping them to freedom where they have an opportunity to live their dreams that they had callings to go to the nation, calling to make a difference, but they couldn't because they were enslaved to money and they didn't have the health to do it. And I have watched you helping these people uh, to lift the lid of their life help them to come in alive. I was just at the farm up in Virginia, walking through that farm. One of the ones that are connected to both of us, but that you have also, and to see them starting to share the dream and see what they've been able to do. And I know where they came from. And I could tell story after story after story. So I've always said to people, I, I will not be involved in any of these different things because of my calling and using my platform. But I have said everywhere that I know what Leanne, and, and write what they are doing and what the people are doing, because I've seen the fruit of every single one of the ones that has been connected. And I could fill up this screen just with the names of people's lives that is being transformed and how it is bringing glory to Jesus as a result of it. So thank you for that. Oh, I, I love it. I, I love empowering and equipping people for their, for their destiny. So it, it just fits right in line um, with what I love to do. Hmm. What are some of your biggest challenges now? I mean, even there, I've been able to. Now, lately, I mean, I know we have some some areas where I've lately, sometimes you're coming to me for different advice, and there's other areas where I come to you advice. But some of the advice, your problems are very different than they were two years ago and three years ago. Some of the advices from making family foundations to other areas. But I'm just saying, also, just personally speaking, because you still have this tension, you have a now you have a business, flourishing business is exploding. You're still a mother to nations and especially a movement there in Cuba. You're still a, a wife and you're still staying in shape and you still have, I mean, we're still talking about something that we have talked about for years and I'm in the middle of the same thing. So what are some keys that you can help other people that are busy? Because there's some people that are juggling two or three things and you and I may be juggling 10 things, but how can we do it and still maintain healthy and still continue to bring glory to Jesus in what we do in our words, thoughts, and deeds? So give yeah. us some wisdom. Well, I think one thing I just make my life scripture, Matthew 6, that I'm making sure that every day when I get up, his face is the first thing that I'm looking for. Um, not his hand, but his face. And I, I know that he says, seek me first yeah. and then 
do what I tell you to do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, whatever, whatever's right, then that's what you're going to go after. And then I will take care of everything. I know. You know, that was Papa Jack's life verse. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Don't get me started that on that, okay? <laughs> when you said that verse, it just hit me and I remember I had Papa Jack's. I'm actually, yeah. So I just first, I make that my, my life priority every day. If I, I know if I just seek him first and I do whatever he tells me to do, he's going to take care of the rest. I have to live by that. But I remember sitting in a, in a restaurant, you and Sonia and Ray and I, um, it'll be three years next month in Nashville. And I was talking to you sitting across the table and, you know, I was still very much ministry going on. Um, and it is that priestly thing. And I didn't understand it. And I looked across the table from you and I said, dad, I, how do you balance ministry and business? Because those were two huge worlds for me, not including, you know, kids and grandkids and the whole thing. And you said, you don't, Leanne, you, you learn the, the rhythm. So I have really been practicing that the last three years of how do I um, learn and, and manage the rhythm between um, business and ministry. And you said to me, all the disciples came from the marketplace. And it was like, uh, I mean, other people may know that, but I, I'd never thought about it before. I can go back over 16 years and there's so many things that you spoke into my life, spoken to my heart that were pivotal moments for me in my life. It wasn't just a good saying, but pivotal moments. So in three years, I've been really practicing the rhythm of business and ministry. And then just that whole shift of being, you know, I've been the priest. I know, again, know how to preach and evangelize and pray and prophesy and all these things, but learning the kingly, the priest is the heart, the king is the mind. And I was just in Cuba preaching in several different cities of seven mountain top leaders in all these different places and telling them like kings hang out with kings. They don't hang out with priests. You know, and we're trying to get to the tops of the mountains to shift cultures and transform cultures, but we're trying to do it as priests. And as priests, we won't do it. We have to have Jesus with king and priest, and we have to have that heart of a priest, but then we have to know and have the understanding of a king. And so raising up, whether it's Cuba or wherever it is here in the States, raising, because that's what I've had to learn, is rising up as not just a priest, but a king. And I told him, I said, listen, the king of Persia didn't marry a priest. He married a queen because she had raised up to understand what how a king thinks and the whole bit and not just knowing the heart of a priest. So that's been something that I've been really um, navigating because I want to go in and shift cultures, not just the church mountain, but also the mountain of business, education, government, just some of the reports I heard from top, top, top leaders in Cuba while I was there when I'm saying, I'm talking about government leaders and you've met them. You had met them a few weeks ago and they're saying, you know, one of them was saying that he was saying, I said, you know, God is opening up gates. Like we want the top leaders in government in Cuba to get saved and come to Christ and transform the culture and the, the island for Christianity. And we want that. But what if he was to open up gates for the believers and they walk through and because of the presence of God and the kingdom, they shift the culture. And I said, I believe it's a season where God has opened up gates in the education and the government and the business and et cetera, et cetera. And this particular man, and you know who he has said, oh, oh, that's happening already, Leanne. My niece texted me two weeks ago and said, uncle, guess what they are telling us they, the, our next assignment paper or report assignment is in the university in Havana. We have to read the Old Testament and then do a report on the church. I almost fell out of my chair. He said, this is happening. So for me, learning that priestly, kingly rhythm of knowing, okay, 
when I'm stepping into the kingly as business and when I'm stepping into the priestly as ministry, you can do both, but just, I've never been a king before like that. I've never understood that. And that's the season I've been walking through so I can help others walk through it. I was actually sitting just for the advice, another business guy this weekend in Louisiana, actually. I went right from Pakistan to Louisiana, not the wise thing, but a business guy who came to serve me and, uh, and, and marketplace. And, and he, he was very much of a king in many ways. But what, what he was lacking, he was a lion without the lamb's heart. Wow. And so... I also wanted to remind him, this is just also to help some of it. We're going to take this mountain. The enemy is not nervous about your lion. It's very nervous about your lamb. So if you are not aware that in the book of Revelation, Jesus is 24 times lamb and only one time lion. So we do need lions. We need a roar. We need a kings to roar. But we need to enlarge our hearts, our lamb's heart. And this is where the whole journey of being a worshiper, then you can be a warrior. And uh, yes. to enlarge in that lamb. And I saw that now. I had all the seven mountain in Peshawar, Afghanistan. And there's things that I did I cannot even say public here that I will tell you privately. But there's all these things that took place. And they watched it at all the seven mountain, all of those different leaders. But when the lamb came in, that whole room melted in that room. And they said, it's never happened in this culture before what they saw what was taking place. Never happened in the history of mankind. We saw it in the mosque. We saw it in different settings. So when people do not realize that it was not just me coming in, hey, I'm taking over here. But it is when the lamb comes in. And then from the lamb's heart, you have authority over what you weep over. Then you have authority over what you love. And when then the lion roar, people gather instead of scatter because it comes from the lamb's heart. And that's what I have watched with you is genuinely loving people coming from the lamb. And as a result, you have authority over what you love. And as a result, you're unifying instead of dividing because it comes from the lamb's heart. And that's the beautiful part of the priestly king. The, the, when we talked about that, the, 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 the rhythm of that is David go back and being a worshiper, be overwhelmed by God, and then a warrior. So he could then out of that, kill giants but it came from that heart so he developed the lamb's heart and we need to make sure that we are raising our people with big lamb's heart but they need to be powerful lions to the when they war people gather not scatter so it was so interesting the same school that we talked about that day and started i just sat with a business guy in Louisiana, and his heart just started to get so warmed up and he just wanted the lamb's heart so that when he wore, because he was scaring people instead of unifying people. Because and you, come from you got to know that rhythm of when are you king, when are you priest, when you're a lion, when you're a lamb. And getting to the kingly priestly, it's like, when is it business, when is it ministry? I call it business tree. That's what God has put me into, business tree. And I have people walking through the doors of my business that will not walk through the doors of a church. You know, my church now is over 2,000 people. That's just our coaching team. And I mean, it's just... It blows my mind to consider what is going on. And it's like, God gave me this. And I believe he wants to give it to other people. It might look different in the, you know, kingly thing, the business um, dynamic. But I believe he wants to give it to, open that up to so many people. It's so beautiful. Just to help me, because you have, our journey together is also, is to raise up ambassadors of love. 
that can represent the king. And I know some people are doing it in the marketplace and education and different areas, but all of us, we're supposed to be ambassadors of love, ambassadors that represent the king and making earth look a little bit more like the kingdom, learning the language of love, learning the language of the king, represent the king and representing his kingdom. That was what Papa Jack was all about. But what are some of the ways, because I know one of the things that you have done also better than most people I've ever seen is raising up healthy sons and daughters. You're setting a ceiling that is becoming a floor to the next generation. So what are some of the wisdom you're doing here now to raise up the next generation of love ambassadors, not just in Cuba, not just in America, but also in the marketplace. So being now, you are a mama, but you're also a grandma. So in the sense of how do we, how do we, because what breaks my heart is we are losing a whole generation. We're losing a whole generation because you have one generation that builds a business. It's the next one, spend it. And then the next one don't have one at all. I just saw that in Louisiana. But somebody had wealth, but for somebody didn't know how to steward wealth, they, they spend it. And then the next ones didn't have it all. So in another way, our languages, they weren't chair one. The next generation chair two, next generation chair three. So how can we sustain this movement by continue to invest in the next generation, not just spend, and then eventually to help them so that we can see in three generations, we can change cities and nations. So that's the big question of the hour. Yeah, right. that's a hard one there. You know, I, I was I was considering that. And first, I want you to know, I did um, the three-tier message a week ago Sunday, and I put another spin on it. Um, I had the three tiers, obviously. Chair number one, though, was believers. Chair number two was Christians. And chair number three was unbelievers. And just wow. put a whole different spin on that whole dynamic. So we'll share that at another time. But you know what? I, I remember, you know, we've had this question over the last 16 years when people we've been in conferences you know um you know and then in church services and stuff and people come up how do you y'all do this family thing how do you how are you a mom and a spiritual mom isn't that and i'm like i don't focus on being a really good spiritual mom i focus on being a beloved daughter to my father in heaven and my father here on earth which is you just to be, to bless my dad's heart here and in heaven, that I just focus on that. I don't strive. Now, you know, in the beginning stages, I strived, okay? Because I didn't know how to be a daughter to someone with flesh and blood. And I fought it. I really, really fought it. That's another story. But then God broke in and said, I put life in your life. And so, you know, I never, um, I, I fought it more than trying to make it happen. Um, so I think one of the things for me, when people approach me with that, I'm like, I just, I just want to be, I don't focus on being a good spiritual mom because to me that's backwards. Um, I don't think Jesus was trying to be the best Messiah, the best, you know, miracle worker. He just wanted to please his father. That's all he wanted to do out of that flowed everything else. And so, so, and, but the flip side of that, it, it all goes back to that whole kingly and priestly things. I am working with sons and daughters, whether it's Cuba, whether it's in our, in our business, in the marketplace ministry, you know, whatever that is, is to really first let them know who they are and whose they are. I want to help them to establish that, that you do not need to strive for this business. You don't need to strive for this church. You don't need to strive for this nation that out of your position, that is, we are seated in Christ in heavenly places. We're not behind him or next to him or or under him. We are seated in Christ. And where is he seated? At the right hand of the father. So you know what? If, if God is pleased with the son who he sits, seated right next to him, then he's pleased with us. No matter what, we, we got that A plus because we're seated in Christ. And so really helping them first to make sure they are established in their identity. And there's ones that are going through your, 
Kingdom Blueprint for Living, you know, course. In fact, tomorrow I'm going to be sharing with about a hundred people in your Love Awakening course that you're doing starting next week. I, by the way, signed up for it. I'm going to be a part of it, but I'm going to give it to about a hundred different coaches tomorrow in our Thursday morning prayers. We have hundred to 110 coaches on Thursday morning in prayer from eight to nine central time all across the nation. So they're going to have that link tomorrow to sign up for that. And that's helping establish them as their son and daughter. And then we do everything out of that. And so that's part of it. And then just working for them, once they get established in their identity as God's beloved son and daughter, then begin to work on, okay, what has God called you to do? What is your mission? Um, what, what's your special sauce as you, as you do it? Not everybody's called to be a health coach in our organization. They're just not, they're not gonna, but they're called to do something else. They may be the best teacher um, or principal in a school. They may be a great senator. So whatever God's called you to do, do it out of that place of who you are and whose you are. And I think it works really well. It's a good advice. A good advice. I do want you to pray for the people that are listening and are sensing, because there's a couple of things that I know that uh, who you are and what you're carrying that you can release. But I'm sensing, especially for a lot of people right now that, that are out there, uh, it's not just a financial blessing, but it has to do with a mindset of an identity of recognizing who God is. I just feel like there's so many people here that believe in God, but they don't know that God believes in them. And I say that's part of the transformation I've seen in your life is was in a moment where it was not just how much you believed in your father, but when you recognize how much the father believed in you and what he's placed in you, and you started to dream with Papa God. It was not just to dream with God, but also allowing God to dream with you. It's called desire. And you delight yourself in him, and he starts to give you the desires of your heart. I saw an explosion taking place. So I'm just sensing that there's this lid that has been over so many people's life that are listening, and they have hope, and they have words, and they have prophecy, and they're running from place to place. But they need somebody just to lift that lid so that they can be, not just believe in God, believe in God, believes in them, and then to take the very responsibility and taking the steps of faith that is needed to start moving into a process of sonship and daughtership, both with Papa God and with people, so that the life of abundance that Jesus came to give them can start to be manifested in every area of life. And I bought the health, wealth, and wisdom that you carry. So if you can, just those, those are the three primary things that I feel that, that you can release over the people that are watching. So if you wouldn't mind, and I, I want to receive it myself, just uh, bless us with a blessing, because I believe in blessing. Something you become, you can giving away. Sure. Yeah. Father, I thank you so much, God, for the opportunity to be able to declare God, um, God, and speak and prophesy over God, those that are listening to this podcast. Father, I just speak over them first and foremost, God, that they will have their own encounter, God, with you, their own baptismal love, Father. For Leif, God, it was on a hotel room floor in Florida, God, in 2000. For me, it was on a church floor in Toronto in 2003. Father, it's going to look different from all, for all of us, Father. Not all of us got saved the same way. Not all of us are going to experience, God, a baptismal love the same way. But Father, I just ask for each one, Lord, that you will come in and you will visit them, God. You will, um, God, you'll 
you'll put them on the floor, you'll do whatever you need to do. God, maybe it's just laying in bed at night and you just visit them in a supernatural way that they will step into that place, God, and flip the script in their life that they will know who they are and whose they are. And God, that they will be not just confident that they're going to heaven, but God, heaven's coming to them, Father. God, that they are not just living for you, but God, they're living from you. And Father, I just declare over each one of them that they will know, God, that they are your beloved son, your beloved daughter, who you are well pleased with, Father, that they don't need to strive anymore, God. They don't, God, need to try to, um, they, all they have to do is receive, Father, from you. God, receive their identity, God, and receive, God, abundance from you, God, in their finances, God, in every area of their life. And so, Father, right now, I just declare over them, God, a visitation from you, God, um, God, in their identity, but God, also for their destiny, Father, that out of their identity as a beloved son and daughter, they will fulfill their destiny. And God, if that's in the mountain of government, if that's in the mountain of education, God, in the mountain of finances, God, um, in the mountain of church, God, or, or sports or entertainment, Father, whatever that mountain is, God, that they will know exactly what they're called to do as they're your son and daughter. And then, God, they will know how to do it. Holy Spirit, walk alongside of them and direct and guide their path, Father. Father, um, that they will, God, you will, you will teach them and you will show them in exactly the way they're supposed to go. And then I do declare, I believe one reason we have not completed the Great Commission is due to a lack of finances, God, because we do not have, God, that abundance mentality, Father, to receive exactly what you want to give us, God, because a lot of us don't know how to steward it, but you want to give it to us. So, Father, I just declare, God, Father, um, a release from heaven. And that we will learn how to receive God so that we can release. God, the more we receive, we will be able to release. And so I bless your sons and daughters that are listening, God, to know who they are, whose they are, and to know exactly what they're supposed to do from there. And I bless health, Father God. I, the, the church is in a really bad situation when it comes to health. We talk about spirit and soul, but we're not talking about the body. And Jesus, you said you desire us to be healthy in spirit, soul, and body, God. It's the alignment, Father, for the assignment, not just in spirit and soul, but in our body. And I declare, God, a release of getting healthy. Yet, God, that you would supernaturally, God, equip us to stay the course, make right decisions, healthy decisions, so that we can be the best us, God, and that we can stay and not leave this earth until we have 100% completed our assignment for your kingdom. And we bless you and we thank you, God, for what you're doing and what's to come. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Whoa. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can follow Leif on social media at Leif Hetland and sign up for our weekly newsletter at globalmissionawareness.com. <laughs>